Welcome to Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the next edition of Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. I'm delighted to welcome onto the show today, Alex Price from Clarity Global. Good afternoon, Alex. How are you doing? Hello, Justin. I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Alex, great to have you here. Please um, tell us a bit about your background. So I understand you you founded an agency and then um, sold it on to Clarity Global. So I'd love to hear about your your background as a founder and also in marketing. Yeah, I did. So I um, I started an agency. I guess kind of by accident is normally how I tell the story. But I was I was freelancing, um, making websites for people doing bits of web design, development, SEO, digital marketing stuff, and uh, kind of got busier and busier. The short version of the story is it got busier and busier and um, accidentally started an agency, hired a couple of people, and then, uh, yeah, didn't really look back. It kind of kept kept on growing. Um, we were kind of part web, we were design and build agency initially, so we were doing a lot of web design development projects. We were a WordPress specialist agency, so we are a WordPress VIP partner, and um, we do a lot of big WordPress projects. Then we found the kind of B2B tech niche. So a lot of our clients were uh, B2B tech, software, SaaS clients. And that was kind of our, our sector niche alongside the service offering. So that was our agency, yeah, my, my agency, 93 Digital. And then, then I launched um, 93X, which is a digital marketing kind of brand, but all within the same agency. So we had eventually two sides to the business, one doing design and build and the other doing more kind of performance marketing across media and SEO and other things but working with everything from kind of smaller I guess kind of scale up um, you know series A or so tech companies through to massive enterprise companies like Amazon for example being one of our bigger or biggest clients um, and, and kind of everything in between um, and yeah the, the business grew to I think 35 people when we were acquired last year by Clarity um, and yeah it was a incredible journey lots of ups and downs more more ups and downs on balance but some challenges along the way but all culminating with uh, the acquisition in, in april last year so i'm now senior vice president of digital consulting at clarity is my fancy long job title and, fancy uh, and long like it yeah to, good yeah yeah um and i you know last nine months or so a lot of my work's been in integration and making sure that you know various teams come together and new service offerings fit into into clarity clarity is a kind of integrated global Marcoms agency. So we've got offices here in London, actually an office in Amsterdam too, um, and New York and on the West Coast in LA and San Francisco. Um, and actually very recently in Sydney too, we acquired an agency, it was announced just this week, I think, um, uh, in Sydney. So first APAC expansion and uh, yeah, the growth, growth continues. So a lot of my time is now spent on um, our own kind of internal marketing new business community stuff which i know we're going to talk a lot more about um but hopefully that that sets the scene it's a story that i could probably spin into two hours so it's always hard to find the find the balance but um happy to dive into any more of it that's great i mean congratulations on the acquisition uh, last year how were those early early days i mean you say you had some more more ups than you had downs um were there any things that really stood out to you that really um, you know, brought you into that tipping point to grow into an agency from being, let's say, um, a possible collection of freelancers. Yeah, and that's what it was to begin with. It was me freelancing, and then I had a couple of design freelancers, a developer freelancer, and it was yeah, we were we were at one point we were really just kind of four or five, four or five freelancers working together. 
but under a brand. And I think it was quite an organic process. I always say I never had a, I never really had a five-year plan. I was always quite content with just as long as we were growing and doing good work in the here and now, comfortable with knowing that that would lead to you know, good things moving forward. So, but I think there was a point probably where um, I think it just it, it felt like. Uh, to be honest, there was one big project that we won, um, which was, I think it was like a £20,000 website project, which at the time was huge. It was the biggest project we'd ever won. Right. Now it's now it's below our minimum project size, so we wouldn't even take that on. But at the time, it was uh, it was enormous. And we were probably, I can't remember, I wish I had more of the numbers looking back. It would be quite fun to, to look at. But we were probably doing somewhere between, I don't know, five and ten grand of revenue a month. And then we won this 20 grand project, which spread across the next three or four months was going to give us a bit of a boost again. Um, and it just felt like I, I could start to see yeah, how everything added up and how we could afford to hire people full-time. So we actually hired a, a full-time designer and a full-time developer kind of off the back of winning that one project. There was other work happening, but um, I do kind of laugh now that if I'd uh, had an advisor at the time or something, they would have said, you're insane to hire two people full-time on fixed contracts off the back of one big project. But I think it felt like that was enough other forward momentum to yeah. give it a go basically. And um, yeah, that was kind of the starting point. There was definitely a point a few months later where I was like, yeah, I'm not sure this is for me. I'm not sure I'm, why don't I just travel the world with a laptop and keep freelancing? And why am I putting myself under so much pressure? At, I think I was 22 at this point and I just dropped out of uni and, um, yeah, I felt like completely out of my depth, massive imposter syndrome. Um, kind of felt like I had no idea what I was doing. Plus then having to basically, you know, pay the salaries of two people full time and freelancers and deal with clients. And yeah, I think I ended up in, in bed for like two weeks, just completely burned out. At one point I was like, my, you, you know, when you're, it, it was the, looking back, it was the true definition of burnout. It was just like body shutting down, yeah, got sick, get could bed. barely move. And yeah, just could barely, uh, could barely move. Um, but somehow I just kind of yeah carried on battling through and eventually um yeah things just things kept growing organically basically. You got you got through that burnout and I can imagine that that would have been tough. Um but it's a nice organic um growth story. So I'm reading a book at the moment called Shoe Dog, which is the founder of Nike. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's his okay. it's his memoirs. And um yeah, it, it does speak of that he off the back of you know, selling so many um, Tiger trainers because he was a reseller for Tiger in, in the States before he founded Nike. And, um, you know, he grew his his employees pretty quickly. Um, uh, and he, he wasn't, he didn't necessarily, his accountant, right, his financial advisor was saying, what the hell are you doing? Like, you can't grow that quickly. Um, but it sounds like a really nice story that you just, you just absolutely went for it and thought, that's the way to go. I, I can imagine for you a great benefit, right? Because you would have had a pretty stable team so that when new projects came in, you could handle it, right? Exactly. Yeah, that was that was the goal. It was to expand capacity. And it felt like the demand was there and we wanted, yeah, we, we could deliver more. So so why not to some extent? Um, there was definitely then future like growth pains, breaking points where, you know, we hired a few people. I was still the project manager on everything, for example. So I was having to keep my eye on new business, obviously keep them fueled up with work. But then as soon as we won something, I was also then project managing it. So then suddenly you realize you need a project management team. So you, we had three project managers at one point and then 
I was still managing all three project managers and suddenly you realize you need someone to sit in between those three project managers and you and suddenly someone you know you start building out that kind of second layer of management team and stuff so there was there was lots of there was still plenty more points where you kind of hit a bit of a barrier or you know you, you I almost kind of used to sit in plateaus where you'd get to one one level and then kind of stop for a bit and get a bit stuck and then you know just realize why you were why you were stuck there and what you had to do to get to the the next level brilliant great so let's talk about clarity and then also um, what you've been building, not necessarily on the side of what clarity does, but you, you've got a community, right? So uh, it's called Finite uh, Community, as I understand, and um, it's a B2B uh, community. So I'm really curious as to like, why did you, why did you go into, into building community? What is it about? Yeah, I think the listeners would love to hear about it. Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. I mean, I'm a massive advocate of community marketing generally. And as I said, my role now at Clarity is overseeing um, some of those initiatives, including Finite. Finite started when I was running my agency. Um, it was, I guess the, the initial driver was as an agency, we wanted to start doing events from a, a new business perspective. And I always just really hated having ha- having been to lots of different agency events. I hated the fact that they were so commercial and that you would go along to an event half the panel would just be people from the agency that were hosting the event talking about how great the agency was. The next morning you'd get a follow-up email and then a call from an account person saying, I would love to set up a meeting. Um, And it was all very sales-led and commercial from the very beginning. And I kind of had this, I guess, belief that um, there was a better way of doing that kind of thing. Like I think we had enough, I wanted to do events, but I I didn't need them to be like an immediate ROI the next day. We had enough demand our proposition was strong enough we have we had great seo we had great other digital marketing channels were working for us so there was enough stuff happening to capture demand of people with an active brief for me this was how do we work our way up the funnel to the very top and just start to build a community around us just start to build uh engagement with people that were ultimately people we would want to work with as an agency but just in a non, in a very non-salesy, non-commercial way. way. Yeah. Um, and I think at the heart of any community is trust. And if you undermine that trust through commercializing too quickly or aggressively, or trying to you know just you know bring sales opportunities out of the community, um, then you, you don't have a community very quickly. I think you you can end up with not much. So that's why we did it under a separate brand. That's why we gave it its own website that's why it's its own thing i think when i'm alex from finite i keep my agency life kind of very separate from stuff there's there's no need for me to be any more visible than that the idea is really that we just put myself as at the heart of the community we want to we want to work with and if opportunities come from that be that in three months six months two years time great like that's that's a win um that's kind of how we want it to work and i guess the idea is that the you know, the bigger it gets, the the more fruit may eventually fall from the tree. Um, but it's kind of a, a slow burn, a waiting game, a, a long term investment that is all about building kind of yeah the, the connections and the network and the the brand awareness to some extent. So that suddenly, when in a year's time, someone in that community moves jobs and realizes they need a a new website, um, we're kind of the people that they think of just because they've I've had them on the finite podcast. I've had dinner with them at one of our exec dinners. I've had them as a panel guest on a meetup. I'm connected with them on LinkedIn. You know, all these touch points that a community initiative allows you to build with people. 
Um, and then, yeah, when, when the time comes, if the time comes, um, something may come from it. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because you've still built great connections, great advocacy, great awareness in, in the industry. So you're, you're kind of winning either way, regardless of whether, you know, 25 hot leads come in the next day after an event, if that makes sense. Future First is sponsored by SalesSource, B2B pipeline management and sales growth for your business. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, if people come into an event and a community, it, it they'll be they're just going to be more open, right? It's about personal exactly, recommendations. Yeah. It's about connecting with people, and maybe to people from you know different companies, different backgrounds. That's always that's indeed always going to be better. I mean, I can't even think about the amount of times I've been on a some sort of event where it just felt very, very uh, salesy. It, it does remind me of the early days of, of mobile advertising. My background is there were events in Berlin, just mobile marketing networking events. And some people would come up and give a presentation. It was sponsored, but you barely knew about it. And I, and I think they were really, really useful and made so many useful connections from those events. So it's great. So who, um, so what's, what sort of people is is finite open to what sort of um delegates uh, are welcome yeah so it's a b2b marketing and tech SaaS community so all of our members um are marketers within b2b tech software companies is everything from small startups through to yeah massive enterprises we've got people from ibm and oracle and you know massive enterprise tech companies down to you know two-person startups we do um, review every application so when someone signs up to be an actual member and get access to slack and those kind of things um we ask them to tick a box saying you know they are an in-house client-side marketer they're not from a martech vendor or a you know, supplier of some kind or, or an agency of some kind um exactly to your point um we want to make sure that you know people can ask questions share challenges openly without them being seen as a sales op by someone straight away and i think you know you've probably been on certain slack communities too someone goes on the you know, the peer yeah. support channel on Slack and says, can anyone recommend a, a course for this or someone to speak to you on that? And you just get the stream of agencies or suppliers or someone going, yeah, we can help. And it's like, that's not for me. That's not what community knowledge sharing is about. It's the opposite of that. Um, yeah. You want actual peer advice from people that are in exactly the same position as you, where you don't feel like there's kind of like a load of snipers on roofs waiting to pick you off as soon as you raise a, a challenge. So, um yeah, that's that's the big thing for us. Our, our members are kind of all over the world. I think we're about fifty percent EMEA, twenty five percent US, and twenty five percent APAC. Um, obviously, our events at the moment are a bit more UK centric, but um, there's definitely ambitions to to grow things. But yeah, the, the kind of B two B marketing theme is the the strand that runs through everything. Great, and hopefully grow it out to uh, to Amsterdam as well, right? What's this space, Alex? Definitely, yeah, yeah. We're, we're it's on the list. It's uh, as we say, we've got we've got a clarity office there, so we've got some presence there. I think we we work quite closely with uh, the next web. We do clarity does uh, PR and has done previously done PR and comms with the next web, um, uh, which a big conference that takes place in in Amsterdam. So there's all kind of things that we're planning, um, uh, you know, when we're next uh, next over in in Amsterdam. Brilliant. So when is the 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 next event happening? Have you got anything uh, in the pipeline? We do, yeah. So we haven't actually announced them yet, but they're not they're not top secret, it's all to come. So we've got um a meetup. Well, you heard it here first, right? Happen. You heard it here on exactly, yeah. first when the next one is. Sorry, yeah. go on. We've got a uh, a meetup, member meetup happening that we're gonna host actually more or less just right behind me where you can see. So we're um that's gonna be in early March. We're going to get together 
a quick panel event, very informal, but kind of 40 minute panel that I'll host. And we're going to dive into our trends report. So one thing that we do through to find out which is actually one of our most popular things is to use our community to gather insights and then put together kind of research reports off the back of that. So we've obviously got this community of engaged members that are there to that want to contribute to you know being the voice of the industry and so we each year we do a, a kind of annual trends challenges type report and we look at you know our budgets going up and down are people feeling optimistic what people's biggest challenges are and across digital and all the different channels and um where they're investing those kind of things so i'm going to host a panel um you can probably just if you're watching this, see the TV over my over my shoulder. So we'll, we'll use that to run through some of the insights, interview a few people, and then just have some food and drinks and that kind of thing. And then um, another really popular thing that we do is kind of more uh, what we call like um, exact dinners. So we have dinners that we host through Finite um, that we bring together, uh, usually more senior marketers, so kind of uh, VP marketing, CMO type um type people from within B2B tech companies around a particular theme or topic. So I think the next sector focus one we're doing also in March is going to be around clean tech as a, an industry. So green, clean tech, sustainability type um, type products or, or services um, bring together 10, 12 of those people for a much more kind of, uh, I guess, a, you know, small, smaller number of people, open discussion, Chatham House rules so people can share stuff quite openly and just again talk about trends and challenges so those are a couple of bits that are on, on the on the schedule so far brilliant alex yeah so it's it's really it's quite inspiring for other businesses as well i think that you you're building a community it is that it, its main purpose is to drive value and to give people a chance to network and also share information and also learn um and it, i definitely do think it's there's people will be listening out there thinking that could be something we could do. I mean, there are loads of companies that go out there and do little events, but I think where this is most impressive is that you are actually building a community around it and it and it does have a purpose, which is good to see. Um, yeah, exactly. with- it, it can be. I would just say on that quickly, it can be hard to build the case for like long-term investment because ultimately, if you're looking for budget to do these kind of things, it can be tough to go to a CFO and say, we want to spend X. And then the first question is, well, what's the return? And you say, well, there might not be one for a fair distance um or you, know, you give a fluffy answer like we're going to build brand awareness and more people are going to know who we are and those kind of things um so i think fortunately there's a there's a culture piece which we have a clarity where people recognize the value of investing in brand and community and people and connections and not always looking for an immediate return there but i think that is a, my, my observation having talked to lots of marketers and interviewed them on the podcast and stuff is that that usually starts at the top and if you've got a leadership team that doesn't understand those things it can be more challenging as i say fortunately everyone here at clarity really gets the the long-term investment and and the vision that's needed to make something like finite a success um but i do sometimes feel feel sorry for people in community roles or more brand-led roles where they don't get the they don't get the budget or support they need to to invest for the long term yeah it's a shame because it, it, long term is needed and these things are never built overnight um, you mentioned the, the podcast there, Finite has a podcast. Um, I invited you onto the show today so that we could also talk about that because I saw you had a podcast and I thought it'd be great to have you on. Um, the, these, yeah, you've got to take a long-term approach. I think the statistic is, I can, just talking about podcasts in particular, is that most podcasts never make it beyond seven episodes, maybe because the intention is good, but people sort of give up or it's too much work or they just don't, you know, don't continue with it. Um, 
so long term outlook is really important and i feel i feel like it's a bit of a shame that there may be um you know certain departments out there and companies who say no you're not going to do that because it takes far too much investment and there might there might be nothing that comes out of it but there'll always will be something that comes out of it i think if you stick at something uh, long enough i think particularly in the um in the b2b space and if anyone wants a statistic to help build their business case there was a great bit of research from um the B2B Institute, which is kind of a, I think a think tank type thing within LinkedIn. Um, and the, the research basically showed that I think at any one time, I'm paraphrasing this slightly at any one time, um, 95% of B2B buyers are not in market for a solution. So I think that's a very strong argument to say, well, if 95% at any one time are not you know, looking for what you do, then how do you remain front of mind so that when they become the 5%, you're kind of the first people that they think of. I think B2B is you know, brand and long-term initiatives are always underinvested in the B2B space. Um, but actually that those kind of statistics prove that people should be investing more than consumer brands ultimately probably. Um, you know, you, you go, you walk down the street and see a billboard of a Coca-Cola ad or something. You, you don't really see that in, the b2b space but you know when you realize how few b2b buyers are actually in market waiting looking for you know actively searching for a solution you have to invest long term to be ready and waiting so that suddenly when they are in market you're you know you're yeah ready to go and and they're the, they're, you're the people they come to that is a fantastic stat we need to find that because I, I want to read that as well so it, and it makes total sense you've got to be You've got to always be visible. You've got to be front of mind. Sales processes and sales cycles are longer in B2B, right? They don't take a few weeks. They can take months, sometimes even years. I do remember working someone that used to work at Rico and they, the processes used to take a very long time. Um, you've always got to be there and present indeed because those windows of opportunity, they, they, they're, they're very short as well. Often if there's a request for information or a pitch or what have you, those windows are then very short. And those companies can get locked into a contract for several years. Let's talk about the the podcast side of things. So, um, Finite's now run more than a hundred episodes. Um, obviously, have you been involved in every single one of those episodes, Alex? I'm going to be honest; I haven't listened to all of them. <laughs> Why not? Unbelievable! Um, <laughs> I've listened to a couple, but not all. Of them. <laughs> um, I have hosted all of them, yeah, from the from the very beginning. So, wow. uh, fortunately, I've had some help on the team actually with production and all the kind of guest outreach and stuff around the edges but um yeah i've been the host of all of them are there any tips that you give or any experiences you want to share about doing the podcast yeah um a few i mean i think we always like to play to the strengths of the guests so we've, we, we usually have a prep call where we basically kind of say like as long as it's related to b2b marketing somehow or another um tell us what's on your mind or your your passion subject or um you know the thing that you're you're thinking the most about at the moment will challenge um we like to encourage people not to i think as you do similarly not to not to really prep or you know not not to write big long answers i think you can just end up with people kind of reading off a screen and ending up actually running out of things to say really quickly um and then you throw them a question that they weren't expecting or wasn't on the list and they're completely you see this look of horror on their face as they get this, this question coming their way they haven't haven't prepped for um that's something we always always encourage um i'd, I'd say from like a marketing distribution angle and this is something we don't do enough of but should you know want to do much more of um uh is i always refer to it as like sweating the asset but you know when, when you invest in a podcast 
episode one episode has so much value within it from a if you were to transcribe it and break it into written transcripts and feed it into blog posts which can help with seo and cut it into short snippets that you can turn into kind of audio clips and videos that can go on social channels and you know there's so much within one episode of you know 20 minutes half an hour some you know a couple of people talking um and i feel like sometimes people go from you know they record an episode share a link to it and then they're on to the next one um i think actually you could almost build like a whole formalized you know plan for how you break that one episode into lots of lots of shared value so that's something that's definitely on our on our list for the year ahead yeah that's really good um so um one podcast can bring so much content and and interesting information um one tool that i use is otter dot ai so otter your list would listen to the podcast then transcribe it into text and then indeed you can turn that into um an interview piece an article Put put uh, put that on your website for SEO content. Indeed, um, something that I haven't done enough of, and I think that's really good that you mentioned that is to to little little video clips, right? You can share that on social media of little sound bites that people would find quite interesting. Um, there's so much that can be can be done with it. Um, I mean, I know. I mean, I also like the way you said about being scripted because there have been a few occasions where I've found the guests have been he- too heavily prepared, and then uh, learn very quickly to tell people it's a conversation, right? It's not you're not doing a, a pitch or a presentation. You just got to be yourself. Yeah, I think it can feel. I mean, understandably. I mean, I was probably you know, initially even just being the the host. It can, it can feel nerve wracking occasionally, or and if people haven't done a lot of them, I think it's just about putting them at ease and I think I've got better at just having a bit of like casual small talk and it actually helps having the prep call beforehand where you've you've met them before so when you come on the call people are a bit more at ease but for some people it's a you know big thing and it can feel a bit scary I guess and as soon as the the red flashing recording light starts they kind of lock up a bit and, and freeze so um yeah it's one of those things that gets easier with time I think yeah Definitely. Riverside does do a scary countdown, which I think puts people yeah. off. Brilliant. Um, Alex, where can people find out about um, your finite community? So head to finite.community is probably the best place. Uh, we've got a website, we've got a member sign up page. So yeah, any B2B marketers in tech companies would love to have as members. It's completely free on the membership side, I should add, importantly. Um, we're uh, very lucky to have the support of clarity and other sponsors in the past that have helped us to kind of do everything that we do and and fund everything for our members so uh, membership on, on that side is free so yeah finite.community uh linkedin usual social channels are good places to follow us too brilliant and the there are events in london in march so make sure you do do that exactly uh- Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast from a cold but bright London. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast. If you liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe.